Frederick, do you recall what Clemenceau once said about war? Uh, no, I didn't think I knew that. No. He said war was too important to be left to the generals. When he said that, 50 years ago, he might have been right. But today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy. Welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. But as always, we are sitting in different chairs examining the issues of today through the lenses, or rather, I'd say the streams of light that you see that uh, diaspora of information come through. To my right, I have Jennifer. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to have you here. Yes. I'll be in the chair of theology today. Glad to have you. And to her right, we have both uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Charlie and Nikki. How are you? Hi. We're good. How are you? Doing great. Glad to have you on. Good to be here. We're in the chair of culture. And I think, John Arthur, with regards to all the episodes we've done, and this is episode number 40, this very well might be one of the most important episodes that we've ever done. I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be be an important episode. And so also joining us over the airwaves is uh, Deacon. How are you, sir? Good evening, John Arthur and fellow chair. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening. A great blessing. So glad to have you on. And you're sitting in the chair of politics tonight, aren't you? Uh, That is a a great privilege for me this evening, John Arthur. Thank you. We're excited to have you on. And as uh, as you well know, and as we're going to hear from you tonight, we'll be talking about Romans and Genesis and the delegation of the authority of government from God to man. And so it is a God-ordained position governed by godly principles. Absolutely. So we're going to look forward to hearing And you. that's where things start to get sideways. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, we've gone way sideways, and we'll talk about it. Moving on to my left in person, I got Mr. Steve. How are you, sir? Yes, sir. I'm doing just fine, John Arthur, and uh, apparently everybody's doing good. It's good to have Deacon on Zoom, sir. A great pleasure, Steve. Yes, thank you. And we got Mr. Steve in the chair of philosophy. There should be rigor behind our belief. And of course, uh, yours truly, John Arthur, sitting in the chair of economics. We'll be talking about the immense values. You're, you're talking about the, the greenbacks, dude. Yep. Just bring on the money. Just bring on the money. Okay. So with that said, uh, I don't think you're going to be able to hear Mr. Charlie too well unless he kind of cheats over to Nikki's oh. microphone tonight. Am so I, I am apologize I not? that Mr. Deacon, we're working on it. We're working on it, but he is getting recorded. I promise. Yeah, I, I'm hearing everybody. So that's great. Good, good. Okay. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and roll forward. That little clip from Dr. Strangelove that we opened up with was something from, uh, from Deacon. And the reason we brought it out was we're, we're seeing the communists that we did not repel, we did not change, 
And they told us exactly what they were going to do and how are they going to move forward. And we're watching them roll out on that right now. And that's a whole podcast all on its own. And we'll, we'll probably talk about it in, in somewhat a little bit. But for right now, we're not really a topical podcast or, or phrase that we're not really a current events podcast per se. But we want to dig into this because it's so important. The issues that we're, we're facing with the Ukraine uh, invasion are, are staggering. And the loss of life is very serious. And I think Jennifer has a story about um, one of the reported numbers as of March 2nd, 2022. Yes. So this is from Insider. And just for you guys to know, this is a live updates page. So at the point that this is published and you click on it, it, it may have updated further. But as of today, uh, the Ukrainian president said that almost 6,000 Russian troops were killed in the first six days of invasion. Now, this is in contrast to Russia's claims of a much lower number. And we are probably thinking that it's somewhere in the middle, but probably. I think we're we're all fairly confident that number is. They're going to say much, much lower, but their interest in a propaganda campaign is way higher. Yes, very much so. It's it's hard to trust a lot of the information from various sources. Um, In addition to the Russian troops that have been claimed to have been lost, I think Ukraine also said that close to 2,000 of their civilians alone have been killed in the bombings. So very, very severe cost. And it's going up. Yes, every day. By the hour. So who has the Sky News article? <clears throat> that is me. Thank you, sir. If you go ahead and hit it. Okay, let's see here. We've got a section here where it has Kharkiv. I, I, I murdered that name. No, Are you, Kar- you, Kharkiv is Kharkiv. Is right. Under heavy shelling, a Ukrainian official has said some Russian planes have been shot down, but has not clarified how many. Kharkiv has been under intense shelling today with a school and council building among the places hit. 21 people have been killed and 112 injured. Now, Vladimir Putin's forces are committing war crimes as troops step up bombardment of Ukraine's cities. Boris Johnson has made this statement. Okay, He spoke with President President Zelensky on Wednesday morning promising further support for weapons and forces resisting Russia's military. Now, there are other unconfirmed claims of Russia using thermobaric weapons and widely banned cluster munitions. We don't just have rumors there. We actually have footage of cluster bombs. That's one of the most heartbreaking things right there. Because you have you have people who are actually going to be affected. It's like IEDs. Yes. Once you deploy that on a civ- civilian populace, there will be four year olds getting blown up for the rest of. Yeah, I, I uh, follow Ukraine pages on a lot of social medias, and that they're just wall to wall with PSAs. If you see undetonated ammunitions, don't touch them. And, you know, and, and it's just notifying these civilians of these things can still explode. So we have one more story. Yeah, this one um, from CNN.com, a couple of things I want to bring out in this. Uh, children, women, and our defense forces are losing their lives every hour. This is from Ukraine's State Emergency Service. 
And according to the service, some transport infrastructures, houses, hospitals, and kindergartens have been destroyed by Russian forces over the last seven days. One thing I want to bring out on that is that this this war is not one that is being fought military to military. This war is being fought military to civilian. And that is not um, conjecture. That is not opinion. Again, there's documented cases of this going on. And I think if there was anything that was going to put Putin in truly a pariah mode, that is it. And unfortunately, it's kind of going to be more of a caged animal. Yeah, and, and that's the other scary part to it. Because when you have, a, 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 and I, I think I heard a, a, something on the, the news the other day, when you have a wounded animal and you corner them, Katie bar the door. So I want, actually, I want to have Deacon give us a short sit rep on what hemp is. And I'm not talking about the plant. I'm talking about a, a strategic military action that if if Putin thinks he's losing the 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 war in his and and this is not to get sidetracked but I want to say set the stakes yeah. so to speak but could you give us a short for for our listeners who do not know what high uh, altitude EMPs look like yeah uh, long story short there uh, John Arthur is that a high altitude nuclear detonation something over fifteen miles thirty miles even up to two hundred fifty miles. The U.S. in 1962 exploded the Starfish Prime device, a 1.45 megaton burst over the Johnston Atoll in 1962 at 250 miles above the Earth to see what would happen as far away as uh, Kauai, 900 miles away to the north or the northeast. Uh, there was all kinds of street lights that had their control circuitry, circuitry burned out, solenoids on vehicles and starter solenoids burned out. The problem for the United States folks is because of the, from my perspective, as a, as a direct downline consequence from that fraudulent global election management fraud in November of 2020, uh, uh, that has given space in the world for those who wish to uh, go to direct action uh, to do so. And that's what's happened uh, with Russia in the Ukraine. That never would have happened if President Trump's rightful election result would have uh, held uh, because he simply had dis demonstrated to the Russians his resolve. But now we find ourselves in a situation where other potential bad actors and known bad actors, as an example, the Communist Chinese Party, uh, have now a wide open door available to them. I, I'd like to ask Deacon one quick question here, um, and, and then we can get into the deeper topic of what we're talking about tonight. But Deacon, do you believe that the Afghanistan withdrawal was the key triggering moment for this whole thing? Um. 
I, th I think the Russian Ukraine thing to answer that one, or at it, least it, yes, and that and that is the context that, that I'm asking. So yes, yeah. My, my thinking is uh, Deacon Charlie that uh, uh, that uh, this has been ongoing for a long time. Uh, sometime we can display a map that is uh, an image that's quite telling uh, from 2000 uh, until the present moment. There's been a whole series of countries that have fallen under under the NATO umbrella. Yep. yep. And that has uh, 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 appreciably uh, penned in uh, Russia. And of course, if if Ukraine were to go to the EU and and also uh, become affiliated with uh, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, they would become like a highway right into the breadbasket of Russia, if you will. Yep. And so this becomes a strategic thing uh, for Putin and the Russians, but that's not to make any excuses for uh, criminal lawless behavior among nations. Amen. When you're bombing six-year-olds who yeah. are, you know, I, I don't know if any of you all have seen that footage, but it's, it's gut-wrenching looking at these little broken bodies. Yeah. yeah it's, that are being it's peeled off the battlefield. Yeah. And I say battlefield, they're homes. But, yes. but what, what returning to this, this, uh, this high altitude nuclear burst, HEMP folks is the term high altitude electromagnetic pulse any nuclear detonation gives off an electromagnetic pulse in a one, two, three designated time frame. They call it E1, 2, and 3. And the E1 pulse, as an example, the Russians created a, a launch system that can fit in a shipping container, be placed on board the uh, weather deck of, a, of an ocean-going vessel, uh, can be launched some 200 miles away, at night, as an example, and a ballistic missile can find itself detonating, say, 30 miles overhead Cleveland, and the, uh, the demonstrated uh, knowledge that is there based on our previous nuclear testing, as we touched on, as an example, with the Starfish Prime event in the South uh, Pacific uh, in 1962 and other tests, hundreds of tests that were done both by the United States and the Soviet Union during that time. Uh, we see that our society today, which has become so totally dependent on electricity and the uh, chips and control circuitry that digi digitally runs our world, so much so that in 2004, a congressional EMP commission was established under the uh, leadership of Roscoe Bartlett, congressman from Maryland, who uh, was an Army War College professor, and they described that all 18 of the U.S. Uh, critical infrastructures are totally electricity dependent. And man, that's a whole nother program how that shakes out. Absolutely. Uh, but it gets pretty bad pretty fast, and literally the footprint of one of these electromagnetic pulses is so broad, folks, that if you detonated one over Cleveland, with a very low order of detonation, only kilotons, you would literally blank out and render unserviceable the delicate circuitry and microcircuitry and chips and so forth that we depend on today to run our, run our society in all of those 18 critical infrastructures. That would literally take out and expose 83% of the US transformers in the electrical power grid 
And the idea of trying to replace those would be a Herculean task that would be an impossibility for a number of years. And we've been trying to get them to harden these infrastructures for decades at this point. I was going to say, for our, for our, younger, for our younger listeners that have never heard of this type of technology, this is an absolute issue for the United States, and it has been for 10, 20 years uh, at least. So Absolutely. great yeah. points that are being brought up here. As our uh, uh, Deacon Charlie, as our society has become so dependent on microcircuitry in the digital world, we have actually become uh, less robust because we are totally dependent on that on the surviving of that electric that bulk electrical power grid. Now consider this, folks: with China talking about doing uh, this week. Uh, maneuvers in the South China Sea. Oh boy! And I can tell you that the Air Force years ago did a study that indicated that if the Chinese wanted to launch ten thousand landing craft to uh, to go aboard uh, Taiwan, there's no way that that could be stopped. And so, and that, so oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get, cut you off there. Well, and to complete that whole scenario, then, folks. You've literally got, and I used to see this every time I took off out of uh, LAX, you know, heading westbound on the westbound uh, runways, generally speaking, uh, you would see a whole line of Chinese container ships lining up on a steady stream coming out of the northwest. I mean, every single time. And would it be easy enough to get a, a, a circle or a club K system, as the Russians called this uh, container ship ballistic missile launch system on the top uh, layer of, uh, of those uh, container ships on a Chinese vessel, you bet it would. And so if there was one that was launched on the West Coast above, say, nominally San Francisco or above Las Vegas, that may very well blank out all the major uh, metropolitan areas uh, on the West Coast, particularly so given high yield because uh, Back in the day when they did this testing, this was kilotons we were talking about, although the Starfish Prime event was one megaton. But if you started to do like a 10 megaton or a 20 megaton burst at altitude, it would totally blank out all of our society and we'd be in very serious trouble. So, and so now the question is, will these rogue uh, regimes be able to be reined in? Absolutely. So with that stake being set, Let's go further into the story because what we really want to focus on is not necessarily the geopolitical, but let's go right to the heart of the matter. And that's the next step. There are humans who are doing this. There are individual humans who are driving one tank, who are driving one MRAP, and they're driving over Ukrainians. It takes one human to launch that sort of weapon. And now we know that there's a lot of, there are a lot of POWs who are all singing the same song. And I, and I want to play this video. You guys will hear the audio, but it's all, it's all in Ukraine and Russian and, or, or Uzbek. I'm not sure which I don't speak either, but this one um, POW, Russian POW is being interrogated. And he says, who are you? And the Russian says, Aliski, uh, military unit, et cetera, et cetera. Why did you come here, says the Ukrainian. For what purpose? The Russian POW responds, we came because of military exercises, but we were lied to, and so now I'm here. Next POW, I'm from the same unit. 
Initially, they said it was exercises. As a result, when we were already thrown onto the front line, people were demoralized. This is the this is the take from the Russians. They were absolutely broken as to what they were doing. And there was a news story on um, it was on featured on Fox, and I, and I saw it on CNN as well, where they said there was this one video or one uh, cell phone it was recovered from a young Russian soldier back and forth with mom. Where are you going? I'm on exercises. Mom, are you really on exercises? No, mom. It turns out when I got here, we're in a full-scale war. I don't like it. I hear them screaming as I roll over them. Paraphrased. And this was a cell phone that was recovered off the dead body of that boy. It's heartbreaking. So, just with that set, we have a huge, huge travesty that's unfolding before us. But it all comes down to a bunch of individuals working. And that's where we have to have the change. And by the way, to the credit of some of these Russian soldiers, we'll, we'll try to throw some links in the description to this, but there are actually some uh, soldiers who are actually refusing to fight. They are indeed actually sabotaging their own vehicles. There's one from The Week. Do you have that article, Jennifer? Where uh, you have significant amount of Russian armor shutting down because whole battalions are punching holes in their gas tanks and walking. It's loading. It's loading. The internet here. I'm so sorry, y'all. But all it takes is one person. Okay, so this is um, by theweek.com, and the title is Russian Troops in Ukraine Are Surrendering, Sabotaging Their Own Vehicles, Pentagon Says. Russia's halting progress in its invasion of Ukraine has puzzled Western observers and, an and analysts, but a senior Pentagon official has told the New York Times on Tuesday that Russia's forces, plagued by low morale and low food and fuel shortages, have suffered mass surrenders and self-sabotage by conscripts who, quote, deliberately punched holes in their vehicle's gas tanks, presumably to avoid combat. John Arthur, I think what's interesting to note here about that particular statement, if, if you're reading that as a Russian military leader, that's a punch in the gut. And if you're reading this as Putin, that's two punches in the gut. But let me tell you what every military leader around the world is going to do. They are going to note that kind of thing because we're living more and more in a society that does not want does not want to see this kind of bloodshed. And what do you think other soldiers will do? And I don't care what the country is. Pick one. This kind of thing is now going to become more commonplace. So that right there is really what's, what's interesting. So I want to start to dig into what the Bible says mm -hmm. because the, the, the geopolitical thing is changing on the second. And I want people to be able to come back 20 years from now and listen to what is timeless. This news is not timeless. Amen. God's word is, but it is transformative if you let it be. So let's talk about this for just a moment. Let's talk about Genesis nine, three through six and chair of theology. Can you go ahead and get Genesis nine, three through six? 
And if I can have the chair of politics, ready Romans 13, 1 through 7. Okay. Sure. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. So, chair of theology. Uh, sorry, and last verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So, what does this tell us, chair of theology, about government? Is this not where government was handed over to man? And is government still under a certain authority structure? Well, sure. I mean, we are given certain authorities, delegated certain authorities um, by God, uh, especially after the flood. Noah was, this is essentially God giving, um, giving men the responsibility to control themselves and giving the punishment for when they do not, which is that whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. You're coming off of a of a time period before the flood, where the shedding of blood was com- becoming very commonplace. And so, Miss Nikki, I know you have a very well formed opinion about authority. Yes. Man is working under authority. Can you break down authority for a moment before we go to Romans? Authority is uh, well. We talked about power and authority. When you have power, you have the force to do something. Authority gives you the right to do something. Uh, Right now, Putin has power. He doesn't have the right to do what he's doing. He doesn't have the authority. He doesn't have the authority. Right. I'm I'm correlating that that, that comment. Yes, that's correct. So what he's doing, and that's why it's such a, uh, a horrible thing to watch, is because it's like a, a brute beast that is out of control. It's not not aggression for self-defense. Could, could one say that he has stepped outside of the rubric of godly leadership and godly government? Absolutely. You know, it's very interesting because I talked today to a coworker who's from Russia. I think he was born here, but his parents came from Russia. And four years ago, when he brought up Putin, he had a very strong dislike for him four years ago. Today was even worse. And he, I don't, he doesn't profess to be a Christian. He just thinks this man is evil. Evil. And his words were, he's not going to pull back because he will not be embarrassed. He will not be embarrassed. I think that's a great comment right there. And if there was any comment that I was going, I would trust regarding this situation and how it plays out it would be the russian people they need to be the ones to step up yes. and change and, and and so that right there is a really good segue unless you have something you want to say well i uh, i was just gonna say you know, as as far as putting this in the hands of the russian people i think that's very true but we also need to understand that that human psychology is kind of weird and they are under a lot of pressure and it's not it's not just pressure from their leaders. The, the, there's a really good book 
called Ordinary Men about a, a battalion of uh, Germans who rounded up a lot of Jews and killed them brutally, women, children. And it documents their path from ordinary men, because these were not soldiers, these were conscripts, and they were older. They didn't grow up with Hitler Youth. And it document, and their commander told them, if you want to leave, you can go home. Nobody left, not because they had loyalty to Germany, but because they didn't want to abandon their brothers, their other wow. soldiers. <laughs> There's a lot at play here. Yes. Ru- the, the Russian soldiers need need to be strong, but it's difficult to ask that of them. And so that's and that's where we want to go to is where we find that strength. But but I want to go ahead and go to Deacon for a moment because I know that he has uh, Romans 13, 1 through 7 pulled up. If you could get that for us, sir. Yes, sir. And I might just drop in for sequencing here a single verse from Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. And uh, that leads us then uh, to the, uh, the power that we retain from God. And folks uh, who have read their Bible understand that in Galatians chapter 4 and 5, it is reiterated to us that we are children not of the bondwoman but of the free, and that we are to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So the reality in all of this, it becomes very simple once we understand that governments are instituted among men to preserve one thing, and that's Christ's liberty on the face of this earth. And Romans 13 goes into further specificity there, beginning in verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, we've got the blessing in our country, John Arthur, that the powers that be are the people, because we established our constitutional republic on the biblical principles that we've talked about, and the people took their authority to govern themselves directly from Christ's liberty. However, in these other forms of government, the people suffer and groan right now because their governments aren't necessarily constructed in that fashion. So as we continue in Romans 13, then we see how this plays out. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause... Pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. 
Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And so that describes, uh, I think, uh, very well the application of Christ's liberty and the authority that we are delegated by our Creator made in His image. And, you know, as you touched on about the uh, Russian people earlier, certainly they have the authority, just like the 87% of the Ukraines that is nominally Christians have the authority to, if they find that their rulers, that is to say the people that they've elected, if you will, delegating their power, uh, if if we can say that there are fair elections in these in these countries. That's a whole uh, new topic. Yeah. But... <laughs> Uh, and if there aren't, that is something that the people can correct as well. But the question becomes, and I haven't made a study of the Ukrainian constitution nor the Russian constitution in, 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 in our present uh, uh, matter of interest, but the question becomes whether or not, and my suspicion is it's not, they may not have set up their governance in, in the way that our framers did to take their liberty directly from God. And remember, in our Declaration of Independence on the 4th of July in 1776, Thomas Jefferson and his fellows in Congress said that they were from nature's law and nature's God securing their blessings of liberty. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are yep. big statements. So, with all of that laid down, the individuals that make up the sum, they are the ones that that must rise above. And by the way, that that's a whole new issue is being able to rise above that kind of challenge. I, I want to go around the room and because we've, we've yet to visit Mr. Steve or just in general, the chairs. I want to go around the room real quick, starting with the chair of theology. When we have a bad theology running our government what are the remedies that a christian say in the ukraine let's say in russia maybe a soldier how do you grapple with that situation in where you're told to do something that is despicable well you have to make a determination is what you're being told to do in violation of God's moral law. Because if that is the case, then you are unequivocally called to hold to God's standard and not man's, regardless of the consequences. And and I don't say that lightly. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but it, that is what we're called to do. It might cost you everything. I was going to say, it's going to cost you your life. and Well, not even just the lives of your family, of your, family. your friends, everything. So... It's not an easy ask, but, you know, we, we actually see this modeled in the Bible. I actually want Mr. Steve in the chair of philosophy. We're going to roll over to him real quick. I want to just, when we're thinking about hard options, Acts 5.29, when they're in the synagogue and they're being threatened, Peter had a really, really good take on this, and he said it very succinctly. You can get Acts 5, 29. Certainly. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And they were facing the exact same kind of situation. 
they were, fa- Simular, they, they, were yes. facing, they were facing similar consequences, prison or death. Yeah. So chair of philosophy, when you've realized that the scripture has laid out, you know, following Christ is not an easy ask, by the way. Boy, the, you're not kidding. There's a reason Christ talked about picking up your cross. By the way, when you say, that's my cross to bear, my husband snores. No, that's not your oh. cross. Your cross is your sin and yourself. And you are supposed to put yourself on that every day. I mean, look at the sins that Jesus carried on that cross. All oh, of man. All he of struggled. Had to t- have somebody else to help him. So... Once you've reconciled that in your head, what kind of mental, psychological lifestyle does a Christian have to prepare for? And what might we have to prepare for in the West? Psychologically, one of the things you're going to have to deal with is dealing with persecution. Because that's going to come down the road. Couldn't Uh, any of these soldiers... If they say, I'm a Christian, this is against what God says, what will they face? They're going to face persecution. They're liable to fate. More than likely going to go to prison, especially if caught by, you know, the upper echelon in the military. Exactly. Uh, they're going to go to prison, I'm period. Not, That's what's going to happen. I'm not going to military prison. sensationalize this. I'm not sure they make it to prison. I, you're probably right, Charlie. They'll be shot in the field. Yeah, the, more I, than I've said all along, and I think this is a really important thing for people to remember. This battle, while many, I would say 90, 95% of the world thinks this thing is political, this is not political. This is spiritual. It's just playing out it's on the play, battlefield it, of politics. That's exactly right. And on the physical battlefield. Yeah. So that's that's why I say to Steve's point, I, I'm not sure they even make it to I, prison. I, I, I would agree with you. So continuing down the stream to the chair of culture, what kind of what kind of culture should Christians have developed that we haven't so far, and we need to go ahead and develop really quickly. Well, there are there are, we have pockets of very strong Christians within our country, and I believe that a lot worse could happen within our country. But I I think there is a very strong community of prayer warriors that prevent a lot of things. But overall, when you're looking um, at the average everyday church, I've said it before: the world is so churchy and the church is so worldly. Nobody can tell the difference because everybody's a Christian now. Yep. Everybody's a Christian. Every, every All they have to do is say, you know, I go to church, I believe in God. And I, I have people that I talk to every day. They tell me they believe in God, but I'm looking at their life going, I think you have a misunderstanding. Of hey, what, I'm a good person. What mm. God is. So are you? There are. God always has his, God always has his remnant of people. You want to be in that remnant. You and, don't and, want to be in the crowd. And that right there. Is a really good segue to the chair of politics. I want to actually ask you something. There's been a, a really interesting set of events in our military. Something very much that would very much pave the way for this sort of godless activity by use of our military. And it's been to root out people who have Judeo Christian beliefs. Oh boy. Anybody heard of coronavirus? 
Well, you can go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. Didn't like that one. Sorry, Mr. Charlie but, but, just got just got punched. I'm sorry. Let me. Didn't you know that Deacon, was over, Deacon? Before you answer that question, oh my that, that's that's right to the point, though, isn't it? Who's being singled out? Think about that. The people that are standing up against the vaccine, I assure you, more than ninety percent of them are Christian. There's yeah. a large there's a large contingency of of Christians. Yeah. And, and so, who are we rooting out of the military? Uh huh. And then, and then with, and then with the indoctrination, uh, uh, for harassment, for the LGBT yep. critical race theory, and the sensitivity training. I've talked to people who've actually had to go through that, and they said, "I quit." I'm like, "Don't quit. We need you." So let's pose that question again. Politically, what do you think the objective and agenda is with our military? Where do you think they 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 want to go? Is this going to look something like what we see in Russia, if they get their way? I would say the answer, the short answer, is yes, John Arthur, no question about it. So I I know you have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I realize that this whole thing, as we look at this, it's very confusing if we if we don't necessarily apply the simple doctrine that Jesus gave us. And so there's a, there's a moment of clarity that struck me as I finally realized, Hey, all I've got to do is return back to my doctrine that uh, Jesus told me. And where that starts, I believe is in Matthew six twenty four. He says, no man can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And folks, that's it. Whenever you're figuring out what to do and parsing out what's happening in the world, take a look and see if it has to do with God or if it has to do with money. And quite frankly, folks, when you get to power and money and influence in the secular world of politics and geopolitical things, you can very simply break it down that way. And quite frankly, I have to say with my perspective that I don't see the Russian activity or the corruption that exists systemically in the Ukraine as having anything to do with God. So that's the first thing that simplifies it for me. And then I realize that God uh, made it even further uh, simple for us. In Matthew seven twelve, he said, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. In fact, that's the golden rule, folks, upon which our country under Christ's liberty is constructed, where the people are sovereign, and in order for it to work out, they must treat one another with civility and respect. And the high standard that Jesus set for us is once again very simple. And he was tested by the lawyer if you recall, who said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law in Matthew 22? And, you know, that looks a lot like these EU folks standing up and kind of uh, horse trading and lawyering and and the uh, the premier of uh, Belarus becoming uh, bellicose. Uh, uh, the same thing with Putin, the same thing with uh, Zelensky there, who whose past is tremendously checkered. Uh, Like I say, even in a country with 87% Christian, Ukraine has tremendous challenges along these lines in terms of following God's plan. But Jesus answered very simply to those who would kind of twist his words and twist his intent. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. 
And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I firmly believe, John, John Arthur and folks, that if, uh, if the individual soldier, if the individual citizen simply holds themselves to Jesus's simple standards there, they cannot err in understanding the events of the world. Absolutely. And that's, and, and that's spot on. And if I can actually take that Matthew 6, uh, 24, a bit further for the chair of economics, let's talk about the costs. Because Christ continues to say, therefore, I, after saying you cannot serve God and mammon, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor what, uh, for what your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. He goes on to say, he compares our lives to things that are fleeting. And he says, aren't you of worth more? But that's not your body. That's right your soul, your Amen. spirit, and we're bought with a price. And, and, and I'm, this is not an exegetical, it's a little bit of, it's not eisegesis, because I could, I could spend the time to connect it all the dots, but you're bought with a price. You're bought with a price. And yeah. if you are a Christian on the battlefield and you are told to drive over people who are non-combatants, they're... That is a that is a hard price, but you have to resolve it in your mind. You have to resolve it in your mind. And you know, John Arthur, I think I, I think one thing that everybody, especially young people today, need to think about is you don't you don't get on the battlefield and figure that out. That would not be wise. You have to think you, about it. You have sense. to figure it out now. Because on the battlefield is too late. I wonder how many Russian soldiers are standing on the battlefield today doing what they're doing. And had they known, would have said, I ain't doing this. You know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a large swath of them. It, 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 I would agree. And I don't, think, I don't think Putin would have lasted 24 hours if that had been the case. But, it, it, you know, it takes it takes one or two. I know Mr. Steve had something. Yeah, um, in regards to the Russian soldiers, you know, in order to win a war for with the soldiers, you know, you got to have the morale and you have to have the desire for those soldiers to want to go out and win. And these guys don't have it. They, 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 there's not a cause there for them to right. believe in. They, they, in fact, they don't have it. In fact— they're they're killing family members, some of them. Yeah. Because these two are sister nations. Yeah. And this yeah. is ripping apart these men. Yeah, there's a large ethnic Russian population in Ukraine. Yeah. Yes, especially in, on the eastern part in of the Ukraine. Territories where the invasion where is they first in. came into, yeah. right, in the eastern part of Ukraine. It, Big and, Russian population. And so it brings the question up. It brings all of this brings up the question if we're going to talk about the Bible. Is this Gog and Magog? And you're going to see a, a lot of people, you're going to see a lot of evangelists who've already come out and they've said that this is the end. We're seeing, we're seeing Gog and Magog. Can, may, I, may I humbly... Come on, Jennifer, preach. Humbly suggest that, that you need to be careful. <laughs> Amen. I will say that oh, I and wonder... And just so everyone knows, this is not Jennifer. <laughs> I will say that my concern is um, 
now that we have this this unrest over in Europe may just be the beginning of a lot of other issues yes. that will start. I totally agree. Uh, I'm not saying this is uh, Gog and Magog. I'm just saying this really concerns me. And if I could put this little two cents in here, uh, I'm very, I would not be surprised if there is a lot of people within Russia, the cost that this is going to cost Russia economically down the road, just like Germany at the end of the war. German, the Ger- the Germans thought the Americans were going to sit down with the military leaders and uh, talk respectfully to them. They did not. They did not. And the Russian people and men within high government and political power must be counting the cost, and it must be concerning to them. So... Yeah, so Chair um, theology. Yes, so I will I will quote from our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24. He was asked by his disciples, you know, when when shall the <laughs> oh. end be? And I'll start in verse 5. Uh, Christ <laughs> says, "For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled." For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Don't don't be too quick to jump on every war, every pandemic, and say that this is for sure it. It might be. But it's uh, wars and famines and pestilence and earthquakes. They're all too general and vague, I think, to be specific signs to watch out for this early on. The, the, the sign that Christ says for sure to watch for is the abomination of desolation. That is when you know 100% where we're at. No temple yet. No temple yet. So just keep that in mind. Now, I'm not saying that these aren't maybe the beginnings of the birth pains. That's a possibility. But don't be so discouraged and get in your head that this is for sure it. And then also, as far as Gog and Magog, I'll just read real quick um, from Revelation chapter 20. So Gog and Magog is described in Ezekiel. That's where the prophecy comes from. And of course, Ezekiel is describing a short-term and a long-term prophetic Uh, vision. This happens very common in the Old Testament. Gog and Magog were nations that actually existed, and they hold significance in foreshadowing end times. The only other place that it's mentioned, Gog and Magog, is in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. And it says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. So, on the prophetic calendar, so to speak, prophetic timeline, Gog and Magog is one of the very last things that occurs. And we don't even have a good, like, this is not Gog and Magog right now. This right. is going to the Ukraine. Right. It's not going to Israel. Right. But it is interesting how fast things can change. Yes. yes. Well, haven't we seen that already with COVID? Mm-hmm. How things fa- how things change very quickly? Absolutely. Oh, so, wait a minute, how come I bring up the coronavirus and there's no laughing and you bring it up? And- 
So having fun, sorry. To the chair of politics, I do want to make use of you while I have you here, sir, because you have a brilliant, uh, well-rounded thought process on this. The whole situation in the Ukraine, some people are saying that it's a power grab. Some people are saying that it is a calculated destabilization for the purposes of testing the water. What do you think the political objective might be here in regards to an end times revelation prophecy? Well, um, uh, as uh, uh, Jennifer had described there, uh, I'm not sure that this lines up with end times. And so, uh, but I, I do realize one thing, gang, and I think we all agree on this, that no matter whether uh, Jesus comes, uh, you know, quickly tonight while we sleep, or if he comes uh, in a thousand years, or if he comes, you know, as, uh, as Pastor Hoven down in Alabama says, and uh, maybe uh, the end of the third quarter of this year, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, in, uh, in 2028, based on some, some you know, useful reasoning and, and reading of text. But uh, the point that we can all agree on is the, the mission for us doesn't change. Amen. Yeah. Which is right. that everything we do is to find our place in his greater will, in his perfect uh, will, and to bring as many as we can to the good news of eternal salvation through the ministry of reconciliation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is why this podcast reaches out. I mean, the idea is we're sitting here, folks, as Christians with the events of the world and of mammon swirling about us. And what we're trying to do is get Christ's gospel out to as many as we can, as quickly as we can. And there are some things that we end up having to do, live in our lives to be able to uh, make the space happen in the world to get that done. And, and that includes, as an example, Luke 22. Mm. And by the way, I, I've got that queued up and I think it's worthwhile to touch on that. I know yes, that we're uh, pushing towards close here now, but I think it's important for us to recognize that in Luke 22, Jesus specifically told the apostles, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that, 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 that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Well, I believe, folks, that uh, the, the reason why the United States of America for so long has prospered under a godly uh, uh, aspect, uh, under Christ's liberty, under a constitution set up to receive our, our liberty directly from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is because we understood that, as Neil Knox, the former president of the NRA, said, uh, an armed society is a polite society. Mm. And so we have, you know, we've gone way overboard compared to the rest of the uh, nations in the world to produce a very secure and uh, a very sharp sword. And what that ends up doing, and President Trump demonstrated that on the 7th of February in 2018 at Dar el-Fur uh, uh, el alongside the Euphrates in Syria, 
when 500 or so Russian mercenaries and a, uh, nearly a thousand Syrian uh, government forces attacked a conical oil process processing facility that was being protected by uh, a, a cadre of 40 U.S. special forces, taking a whole mechanized armor division against them. And with the full weight of the American sword, if you will, unleashed by President Trump in that chapter, 90% of that Russian mechanized column was destroyed. All of the Russians were killed, hundreds of them, and most of the Syrians as well. And that was a moment that showed the world, including the bad actors, including the Communist Chinese Party, including the oligarchs of Russia, including the Iranian Islamists, that President Trump was not going to fool around. And he was going to uh, wield righteous authority that had come from the people who had delegated the executive branch of the government to President Trump in a lawful, uh, fair, or reasonably fair, uh, at least you know, nominally fair election in 2016. And so that authority did come right down through the people to President Trump in a moment that was uh, necessary to demonstrate. And so that's effective use of the sword. And I, I believe as the apostles walked the landscape with our Lord and Savior, they would have realized that anybody who sees them carrying a couple swords will pretty much decide to leave them alone. And, and Deacon, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, you know, the one thing they've done in Ukraine is hand out the swords. Amen. And that right there, that whole that that whole thing right there, what what you just said about a strong United States presence, that is why they want to change our military. That is why they want to change the way we do elections so that fraud is easy, fungible results are possible. That is yeah. why they're coming after America. And that and, and and that was the 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 brunt of the question there. They're coming for a one world government, a strong United States is not an option. And what we're seeing is playing out this this they're globalizing. Yeah. And Ukraine joining the EU right now it's it, it's one of those things where you're being forced into it. But I actually don't like that. I really don't. No. No, the the EU is part of the globalist plan and Long story short, folks, and uh, to touch on what Deacon Charlie had touched on a moment ago, is uh, they will never disarm the American people. They may, uh, they may totally uh, um, reconstitute the U.S. military with uh, godless minions, but they will never disarm the American people with two billion, maybe three billion personal arms among the 330 million citizens in this country. That is an unstoppable, um, uh, just uh, resolute force for liberty on the face of this earth. And so that's what they're coming for. That's what and they, they want to erode. Want. Yes. Yeah. Which is why you'll always see me, John Arthur and, and gang uh, on the stream and so forth. Uh, in fact, tomorrow morning, you'll always see me talk about our constitutional exercise. In this country, for the benefit ourselves and for, for Christ's liberty around the world, we must operate the full length, breadth, and width of our Constitution, which certainly includes proficiency 
on a Second Amendment basis by the people broadly across our society. Man. And that's what we want to see and, and encourage, encourage everyone to act in a winsome way about our rights, Amen. but to go forward and actually exercise them. Because if you don't exercise them, you will lose them. Well, we Correct. had the opportunity this last week, the last two and a half weeks, to get to the polls. Correct. I hope every Christian was at the polls for primary in Texas. Uh, te- Texas is one of the first ones. but And make sure that you're actually paying attention to whom you are voting for. I spent two hours researching candidates. Same, same for folks in San Diego. And San Diego is in, yeah. in an incredible way. Uh, so if you want to find out more about what's going on in San Diego, make sure that you check out Deacon's pod, uh, stream show. At uh, But I digress. You can find it on the web at uh, Patriot Soapbox. Is that correct, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, Patriots in the plural with an S, PatriotsSoapbox.com. And tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m. Central for a couple hours, like every Thursday morning, we're going to deconstruct this a little further, just as we've done here today from a scriptural perspective. And I I think we've, uh, you know, with God's grace, we've done uh, some justice to what Jesus's intention is in this thing, uh, which it is really very simple. You can't serve God and mammon. And all the Ukrainian people and the Russian people have to do is return to that edict uh, from uh, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and uh, and that will that will kind of shake out all the globalist ripples that continue to obfuscate and confuse. You know, man, that yep. is a that is a beautiful wrap up. We have to wrap up for today. I'm going to go around the room. Just a quick wrap up. Chair of theology, go. Uh, this is not the end times yet, probably, and <laughs> and um, be in prayer, be in prayer for Ukraine, and be Amen. in prayer for Russia. Amen. It is ap- I think it is absolutely appropriate to pray some imprecatory imprecatory prayers perhaps for the Russian leadership but oh, for Lord, the Russian break people Putin's teeth in his mouth. Yes, amen. <laughs> but for the Russian people, pray that they have wisdom and courage and strength to do the right thing. And there are many who are giving their lives right now. Yes. So keep praying. Mm-hmm. Chair of uh philosophy. I, I agree with you, Jennifer, on praying for Russia. And we also need to do some prayer for, for Putin, uh, for him, so that he has the right mind to do what is correct. Pray for uh, get out of Ukraine, do what is correct, stop bombing these people, the innocents, and do what is correct in God's eyes. Even if it's for the wrong reasons, if he changes what he's doing, you need to pray for that change, however that occurs. Chair of Culture. I've been praying, honestly, that evil would eat itself from the inside out in this situation. Praying for the Ukrainian people. This has got to be hard. And I'll tell you what, John, right there, I said it at the beginning of the podcast, and I think it's very appropriate right now that the decision about what you do as a soldier, you don't wait until you get on the battlefield for that. You have to be ready for that in life. And I'll say one more thing. I don't care where you stand. I don't care if you're in the military. I don't care if you're the people. I don't care where you're at. Freedom is always paid in blood. Amen. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that is the case. And by the way, that's how we got our freedom from Christ. Ms. Amen. Nikki? I would say the same thing. Prayer. There is there is power in prayer. And don't get caught off guard just by looking at the television. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So keep praying. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. All right. And uh, 
I didn't tell you that that was your wrap-up. Do you have a quick short, Deacon, to your uh, politics? I might just suggest, John Arthur, we might want to close in a quick prayer uh, for the benefit of the uh, Ukrainian people, the Russian people, mm. and mm. all of those. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, just a, just one note in from the Chair of Economics chiming in. Make sure, make sure that when we elect people and make sure that when we spend our money, that we are not empowering a regime like Russia or, dare I say, China. China. So if you, if let us make sure that we are being wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Deacon, you want to pray us out? I'd be happy to, John Arthur. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this uh, podcast today, uh, further every day, we intend that we might find ourselves more completely, uh, more perfectly in your perfect will. Give us the discernment and give all of those, our brothers and sisters who seek your face, uh, the grace that you've promised that if they will turn their face to you in supplication, will heal their land and heal their peoples that they may be complete with you in an eternity of salvation gifted to us as john arthur touched on by our lord and savior jesus christ with his uh his uh, ministry of reconciliation we ask these things in jesus name amen amen, amen. Thank you so much for being on, everyone. As always, if you like this podcast, like, share, subscribe, all those good things. If you want to hear more amazing commentary, some really deep thought, go to, but I digress, Patriot Soapbox. That is 10 a.m. East or Central Standard Time at PatriotSoapbox.com. Is that correct? Yeah, Thursday mornings. Tomorrow morning is, in fact, yeah. Thank you so much. Like, comment, share. And uh, if you didn't like this, double tap that thumbs down. We love y'all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so there's something you don't know, Deacon. We do this at the end of every podcast for those who fell asleep or those who really enjoyed listening. So we're going to go ahead and throw it around the room. Do you think that there's peace talk negotiations going on right now? Do you think they're going to try to kill the ambassadors or do you think they're actually going to maybe work towards a peace or is it all just sort of the Russians are kind of playing with what their their options are? No, I think this is kabuki theater for the Russians. They're, they're not interested in peace. It's Nikki. I don't think that Putin is interested in peace. Uh, I don't think they'll be trying to assassinate anybody, but I would agree with what Jennifer said. It's kabuki theater. There is no, there's nothing coming out of this. Mr. Steve? Putin's a KGB guy. Uh, He lives in assassination. He's done way too much dirty stuff. Agreed. Yeah, I think he'll try and assassinate and the... uh, Could be. Peace talks are just uh, a plan for setups for things just like that. For something else. All right. Deacon, give us your short. What do you think? John Arthur, uh, uh, Russia was laid bare to globalist agenda in the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, folks, we didn't get into it. I know we've only got an hour on on the podcast. But the, the really sinister underlying current here is that all of this is truly the mammon system and has been with the Anglo bankers for now the better part of three centuries. And enough is enough with that. In fact, whenever I see all the chaos happening, and that's what they're doing is stirring chaos in the world yes. to see if they can 
upset the apple cart of the American Constitutional Republic because that's where the liberty resides. Yes. Because they've always had their hearts set on this continent and they're never going to give up until they're made to give up with the will of the American people and operating in a godly fashion. Whenever I see the trouble happening, I look at the Anglo bankers and realize it's time for them to be excised. Just as you talked about, uh, Deacon Charlie, imprecatory prayer, whatever it takes. So with that said, I agree with you. There's more <laughs> afoot here than uh, people are recognizing. I don't think it's just Putin's ambition. I think he's actually going for the jugular for a very specific reason, and it is to set up an in-time New World Order government, and he's hoping to be in the top Something ranking. Something tells me one of us is right. With that said, tell <laughs> us what you think in the comment section down below. We love y'all. Bye. 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 God bless.